We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sox Machine Live. I am Josh Nelson, and it is Thursday night, August 19, 2021, as the Chicago White Sox just wrapped up their series against the Oakland Athletics, and it was a good one. They won three out of four games against the Oakland A's, and there's a lot to discuss as far as in those four games, and it certainly does help wipe away the bad taste in White Sox fans' mouths, especially with the way that the Yankee series concluded at home on that Saturday and Sunday this past weekend. Getting some folks to believe, oh my gosh, the White Sox are not going to do well in the postseason. And now as we are streaming live, everyone's feeling pretty good about the White Sox chances in the postseason. We'll see what happens after this weekend as the White Sox head down to St. Petersburg, Florida to face the Tampa Bay Rays, who still have the best record in the American League. And that is now a mega matchup and one of the most hyped up series this weekend in Major League Baseball. Joining me on Sox Machine Live, of course, is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. The co-host of the podcast is Jim Margulis. Hello, Jim. How are you doing tonight? Good. How's your head? Oh, I, I got caffeine. Who doesn't know, Josh is uh, <laughs> working through a migraine, so he's tough and through. He's a soldier. Uh, he will. He, he knows the difference between hurt and injured. Yes. And right now he's merely hurt. That is true. That is true. And also join us. It's been too long. It's Bennett Carroll. What is up, Bennett? Not too much. Yeah, Hawk Harrelson said he's on his way down to check on you, uh, but <laughs> I think good. he should be okay. All right. All right. I, I need that. I need Hawk to just bust through this door like the Kool-Aid man and make sure that I am a-okay. And uh, for everyone else that's watching this stream live on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash machine, go ahead and post your comments and questions. We'll try to address them during the course of this episode. For those that are listening to the podcast feed, uh, we'll... We'll read them so you can hear them along the way. You can still uh, talk but, at the podcast. We won't hear you, but feel free to yell. Yeah, feel free to yell at us. All right. So, Jim, let's start with this series between the White Sox and the A's and just mm-hmm. a general recap. 
there was an opportunity for the White Sox to sweep Oakland, which if they would have done that, uh, the Houston Astros would have loved the Chicago White Sox because the Astros were having a terrible time in Kansas City. The Royals have been very plucky since the All-Star break. They've Mm -hmm. won five out of seven against the White Sox, so that team has been playing much better, and it has helped the White Sox as they now have the number two seed ahead of Oakland in the AL postseason race. Uh, But it was kind of a bad taste, and thanks to Greg Nick, shout out to Greg for filling in for me on the Sox Machine podcast on Monday. Taking three out of four against Oakland is still great, and I do believe that it wipes away that bad taste after this weekend series against the Yankees. Yeah, I I think you'd have to say so. It was a little bit of an unfortunate series just with the Chris Bassett uh, line drive getting knocked out. like. I thought that was the biggest test the White Sox faced, the kind of pitcher who they might see in the postseason designed to neutralize a right-handed lineup. So to see him leave the game the way he did with Brian Goodwin's line drive hitting him in the head, fortunately, you know, he just suffered some fractures, but I guess you can have worse facial fractures than the one he had, and he's just, or the ones he had, he had three of them. So, you know, you, you hope that it recovers, but I, I think just that we, we've seen that this year with the White Sox suffering an injury early on. They just kind of go through the motions to get through the game and uh, spend the, you know, afterwards recovering as a team. And, and Oakland did the same thing, just they were happy to get the game over with. And so, and, and then, you know, the series ended with Elvis Andrews colliding with Starling Marte in center field. Just, it felt like almost the, uh, you know, how White Sox fans or the White Sox might feel about the Oakland Coliseum. Yeah, it might be the kind of, uh, I guess, turnabout to where, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, Oakland's having some bad memories or flashbacks at guaranteed right field. So it felt a little bit, maybe not the series we thought it was going to be just because of that one line drive, how it changed the complexion of everything. But, you know, the White Sox have to play, the games as they unfold, they won the first three. They were able to, you know, rest Tim Anderson before two tough series in artificial turf parks, and then uh, almost won that game too. So you know they made some mistakes. It's kind of like the Yankee series that their losses against good teams are getting better. Like it's not like the Houston series where they're getting the doors blown off them, thinking oh they're a they're a central fraud. You know in this case they're just you know when they lose there's a traceable reason why and a correctable reason why that's not always going to be the case. But for the time being, from what we've seen recently, uh, that their losses are more explicable. Well, Bennett, I think for this month so far in for the White Sox, and especially in this series, we saw the impact of having Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, both of them back in the lineup. And the numbers so far in the month of August, and we talked about this, that maybe Aloy and Luis would need some time to get acclimated back to major league pitching, that they're not going to have hot starts and White Sox fans are going to have to be patient. If this is a slow start from Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez, uh, I can't wait to see what a hot start looks like uh, because Luis Robert in the month of August is hitting 394 with a 412 on base percentage and he's slugging 636. Loy Jimenez is hitting 339 with a 364 on base percentage, slugging 677. Loy's got five home runs and six doubles, and he's already got 19 RBIs, and we're just halfway through the month of August. Uh, how large of an impact is having Robert and Jimenez back in the lineup? And is this a sign of bigger things to come for the White Sox offense before the regular season ends? Yeah, I. 
I think legitimately, if you had asked White Sox fans honest opinions of what to expect that first month back from Robert and uh, Jimenez, like, I don't think you would have gotten half of what they've done. You know, oh, he's hitting 280. He's got some power. It's not there. Oh, he's making some plays in the field. The bat struggle. They are playing out of their minds. Um, and it's been good to see that their performance hasn't been like early in the year. It would feel like, you know, we'd have two or three, you have two or three bats kind of going off and the rest of the lineup struggling. It's nice to see these two bats hitting well and it actually lifting almost the rest of that lineup where rather than two or three good bats, it's two really good bats that are lifting three bats into being also good bats. With guy, you, You've seen the way Andrew Vaughn's been playing out of his mind. Uh, Tim Anderson's had some strong bounce back. Jose Abreu is still tied for the lead in, in the MLB and RBIs when he hit that bet. Um, and, you know, just seeing other other bats start to wake up because these two guys are coming in. Again, We I remember reading, like, Eloy Jimenez wasn't going to have any power until 2022, uh, and that Luis Robert was going to be a very slow start, and they've came in and literally t- gone off the off the deep end in how well they've been hitting. Are you surprised, Jim, with how quickly out of the gates both Jimenez and Robert have been hitting since coming off the injured list? Yeah, I think you have to be. I think I'm more surprised by Robert more than Jimenez because we saw with Jimenez like the first handful of games back, he was swinging at two thirds of everything, just kind of either beating pitches in the ground or swinging over them, getting into bad counts, just wanting to do too much. And we saw half of Robert's rookie season defined by the same thing, just wanting to do too much. He played under control in April. And, you know, so that was a good sign. And that made me think that, okay, there's the floor isn't going to be as low. Like, you know, his, you know, he's already seen the worst. He's recovered from that. So he should be able to correct himself faster than it, took him in 2020 when he had you know basically needed four or five weeks of failure in order to to realize like it wasn't working anymore but yeah he's been under control looking like he should he's been I think more comfortable running he stole a base which I think you want to see from him so uh yeah he he exceeded his home run total from the first month and in a matter of eight games like he's he's now up to three homers as opposed to one so yeah, that, that adds depth to the lineup. We talked about it when, you know, with the trade deadline, we were talking about how to make the lineup deeper rather than just, you know, adding bats to the back end of the lineup. And I think Robert is having the kind of at-bats to where, you know, if Anderson has a day off, if, uh, um, you know, Hernandez is struggling, you know, if Angle's not back, like, yeah, hell, throw him in the leadoff spot. Just see what he does. You know, get him more at-bats. You know, I don't think you have to hide him right now. We did get this comment from YouTube from our one of our Patreon supporters, longtime Patreon supporters, as in Rec. He uh, sent us a comment. Was the migraine triggered by Aloy slamming into Robert in the outfield? Uh, maybe coincidentally, that's when it started, as in Rec. Uh, <laughs> everybody was holding their breath. Uh, I, I enjoyed Steve Stone's commentary. One of you, one is an elite defender. The other is a lawyer. <laughs> uh, so we clearly whoever, whoever is a gold glove candidate, please step forward. Yeah. yeah. Not so fast. Aloy. <laughs> yeah. Back up, back up. Uh, I, I do want to ask you guys this hypothetical question. And this comes from the, uh, when I helped and participate in the, from the one Oh eight live event, uh, last uh, Buffalo wings and rains. And the, it's a hypothetical. So Bennett, I'll start with you. 
because I believe I do believe in karma. If you put in good in the world, you'll get good back. Sometimes bad things happen and exchange of the bad things, unexpected good things will come back to help bring balance. And so far in this White Sox season, yes, we've had this terrible thing uh, as White Sox fans of not being able to see Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez uh, healthy all season. But in exchange, we've got a step forward, big time step forward from Dylan Cease in his progress as a starting pitcher and a career year from Carlos Rodon. So the hypothetical is this. Would you still want to keep that knowing what you know this year? Or would you exchange having a fully healthy Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and a Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon still struggling? I, listen, I I like hypothetical questions. I'm not turning off a year where they're 25 or 20 games above 500. Like I, I can't throw that season away just with mm-hmm. what we're looking at right now. I don't think you can take give away this season. Even you know, even if Eloy and Luis Robert weren't playing particularly well, I don't think you can throw this season out. All right. Do you feel the same, Jim? Yeah, I think so. Just because we've seen the value of having five good starters or five average or better starters in the case of like Dallas Keuchel, if you, if you don't like watching him pitch, like he's at least average, like it's a luxury when he's your worst starter. If he's the fifth starter, your rotation is damn good. And it doesn't really matter about who's being paid what. So uh, I think the key there is just like, because of that rotation, uh, they've avoided like the killer losing streak. Like we've seen, you know, Cleveland fall into a ditch. We've seen the twins. What happened to them? Uh, We've seen, uh, you know, just, the Yankees struggle when they had so many arms on the injured list, uh, just struggle to get right. So just having uh, a guy you trust, basically, or a guy you're getting to trust every time out uh, makes up for a lot. So I think that's, uh, if if they didn't have Rodon and Cease doing what they're doing and they had Jimenez and Robert back, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, maybe in terms of wins above replacement, they would be the same. Like, you know, they would maybe net out the same, but I don't think the impact would be as, as felt, especially if the bullpen struggles the way it does. Because, the yeah, that's another thing. The the rotation just made the struggles of Aaron Bummer and Evan Marshall and, you know, the original pen is mightier pen. Uh, uh, they're able to mask it. And I think... Uh, when you have an offense with Robert and uh, Jimenez and they're not like on base monsters to say like like Mookie Betts would be or like a Mike Trout would be to where they just, you know, they're impossible to get out. You can get them out. Um, they also can <laughs> uh, just light up the stadium. But, they, you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of like a heavyweight fight where uh, they're not putting their guards up. Just, you know, they, they'll take one in the jaw and they'll give it right back. Uh, I just don't think they would have the capabilities of covering for other weaknesses the way having five good starters, having five... Uh, every time you hand a ball to a guy, you're, you have a chance of winning the game. Yeah, those are all true. I, at the event, because I agree with you guys as well, I, I try to play devil's advocate to make the conversation interesting. The way that Aloy has been hitting, especially for power, since he's returned to the White Sox, we may have truly missed a very special 2021 season from Aloy Jimenez when he Vince carter the outfield wall in spring training. Like we could, we would be talking about, I, I do believe this. We'd be talking about a great home run race between Shohei Otani, Vlad Guerrero Jr. And Aloy Jimenez. And we'd be talking about how Jimenez is going to set a new single season home run record for the White Sox. In his first 25 games this season, Luis Robert was already a one war player. 
I think we would have been talking about Luis Robert being a six-plus war player for the White Sox if he was fully healthy. I, I think that's what we're missing this season. And the way that these two are playing since they returned from the injured list, I think just kind of solidifies any White Sox fans thinking or anyone in Major League Baseball that, yeah, these guys are going to be superstars. And I still believe that they're going to be superstars. And in exchange of them missing most of the season and missing out on some special seasons, you get a career year, maybe a top three Cy Young finisher in Carlos Serdan. And you get Dylan Cease making a really big step forward in his development, someone that you can trust more and you can kind of squint and see where he does live up to that potential of being a mid-rotation starter where he may be your second or third best starting pitcher out of year five. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a fair exchange. That's bad karma, but White Sox fans have gotten good karma this year. Get having Carlos Serdan and Dylan C step up big time on the starting pitching front. But now... You got both. And Carlos Rodon will be returning soon. Yes, Money Grandal is going to be returning soon. Uh, it is time to get hyped as White Sox fans. And Bennett also mentioned this earlier. Um, some other great performances so far in August. I've mentioned this. Jose Abreu in the month of August is like Zeus coming down from the heavens and smiting all mortals that stand in his way. He has seven home runs already this month, hitting 294 with a 342 on base percentage, slugging 647. I think you tweeted this out, Jim, that since the All-Star break, Tim Anderson has a really weird slash line. Uh, Anderson in August hasn't walked yet, so he's got a 304 batting average, which is his on-base percentage, um, but he's slugging 536 with four homers. And Andrew Vaughn is having... Also another great month, hitting 302, 423, 581 with four home runs. Vaughn's got nine walks to eight strikeouts. A great sign. So as Hawk Harrelson would say, don't stop now, boys. And we'll see if this carries over to next weekend. Yeah, just to be clear about Anderson, like I wasn't complaining about the lack of walks. Like I'm at peace with who he is. I, I think asking him to draw walks is like asking Yasmani Grandal to steal 20 bases. Like it's just not going to happen. Like it's not who he is. So just, I'm a fan of freak flags. And so to see, like, I was looking at his like post all-star break numbers and like, I don't think I've ever seen, I've seen, you know, stat lines where the average and on-base percentage are the same, but I haven't seen like ones or you don't see it very often where like the on-base percentage is like five points ahead of the batting average. Like yeah. <laughs> that usually means like uh, just that that's uh you know, cause usually if a guy isn't walking, he's at least usually getting like hit by pitches once in a while to, kind of padded elsewhere, but Anderson doesn't get hit by pitches. He stands off the plate. They attack him away. Like he's on Jose Abreu where they just drill him inside. They don't want to, they don't want to like risk having him turn on one. So they just try to neutralize his power by going away. So he, no bases are free. And so that, that to me uh, makes what he does and how he gets on base. Now he scores runs even more impressive in a way. Let's talk about the bullpen. Cause in this four game series against Oakland, I think we've seen the ideal blueprint for the White Sox bullpen for the upcoming season. And I think we saw a scenario of on how a upcoming postseason game may have to work out for the White Sox. The ideal was Monday night. Dallas Keiko goes five innings, gets gives the ball to Michael Kopech, who is just awesome on Monday. Uh, just lights out in the sixth and seventh inning. Kopech hands it off to Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell hands it off to Liam Hendricks. Boom, the White Sox win. No issues at all. Wednesday night, Jim, was weird. 
It took 21 pitches for Lance Lynn to record an out. That's not good. Mm -hmm. He was able to escape, I don't know how, uh, really high leverage jams in the first and third innings without allowing a run. And then, of course, he allows a run in the fourth inning with an opposite field home run by Seth Brown. But after the fourth... (laughs) The one time he got the leadoff guy out. Yeah, the one time he got the leadoff guy out. He he was already at 88 pitches. He was not going to last very long in that game. And then, of course, he gets ejected. Is he the first Major League Baseball player to be ejected for throwing a belt at an umpire? He might be. Might be. I I could see, like, a manager doing it. (laughs) Like, you know, one of those wacky minor league uh, ejections you sometimes see. Uh, What's his name? Who just stepped away in Cleveland. He used to get, like, people used to suspend him for not showing his belt, I think it was, because he would would wear a... he, he wouldn't wear jerseys. He'd wear the team pullovers for health. He had a whole thing for a couple of years with belt. Uh, Francona. Yeah. He used to have issues with his belt. Oh. Hmm. I, I only know that because I read his book. Don't read his book. It's not good. Uh, oh. I was very excited for it to be good. It was not. All right. All right. So bad book reviews by Bennett Carroll. Uh, that's that. And maybe a new segment on Sox Machine Live. Uh, but in that game, you saw Garrett Crochet come out for an inning. Ryan Tapera tries to go multiple innings, faces a tough lefty. Then it's Aaron Bummer's turn to go multiple innings. And then Bummer hands it off to Liam Hendricks, who gets the last five outs in that game. And I think we might see a bullpen usage like that in the postseason, where the bullpen's going to have to cover most of the game. Uh, when a White Sox starting pitcher struggles in the first three or four innings. How do you think the White Sox bullpen fared in these four games, Jim? And does it give you a little bit more confidence heading into the postseason? Yeah, I think it does. In fairness to Tapera, like he probably should have gotten through uh, the seventh on his own, but Luis Robert decided to uh, imitate a Cossack dancer and uh, almost like bicycle kicked the fly ball over the center field fence when he slipped. And then Yamankata threw a ball. That would away. have been an amazing catch, by the way. Yeah. Or, or a home run. If he managed to uh, redirect <laughs> in the fly from uh, 75 feet away. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, so I thought he looked good. Like the results weren't there, but the defense failed him twice on routine plays. So, you know, he looked fine. Crochet, I think, is, like, he's having a good year. Like, I think when it comes, like, the uh, kind of, you know, it's hot and cold. Sometimes he gets uh, susceptible to contact, but he's been fine. Hendrick seems like he straightened himself out. Kimbrell, we didn't see because of the death in the family. Like, we didn't see him, like, when we could have either stretched out to cover an inning plus or save a game because the game didn't get to him in that way. Um I think like the one situation where you know you might have rethought it was Kopech pitching to Matt Olson and giving up the home run when Mitch Moreland was behind him. But I kind of like seeing a a young talent like Kopech who should be able to get an Olson guy out when he has to take a run at it, um, yeah. especially when you have a lead and the game is kind of inconsequential. Like you might learn something from uh, failing, or you might learn something by getting them out. Like I think there's something to learn by facing one of your best uh, their best guys with your best guy and seeing how he fares and then you know maybe seeing if there's a pattern there <laughs> or seeing if there are certain guys he should pitch around but that's I think really when it came to the bullpen aside from Aaron Bummer looking a little wobbly like the only situation where I thought like the wrong guy either the wrong guy was called or there was a possibly wrong thought process and but ultimately I think there is like there are ways to learn from that to where um, it was just more of a take risk and it, it backfired but the risk was sensible. 
Bennett, how are you feeling about Liam Hendricks? This past weekend against the Yankees, not good, but against Oakland, he was definitely amped up to 11 on a 1-10 to 10 scale, and uh, the stuff really played up. Uh, well, his wife has solved the issue, so I have, <clears throat> I have no more problems. Uh, yeah, no, I... I wasn't worried about it. I'm not worried about it if they do end up facing the Yankees in the playoffs either. Uh, I listen, a reliever is going to have an issue every now and then. I'm not worried about it. Um, but I have supreme confidence in Hendricks after, after really not being sure about him to start the year. I've, I've fully bought in. He's good to go. All right. Well, there you go then. Uh, let's move over to the other very good pitching performance. And I don't know what to make of this. But, Jim, what are we to make of Ronaldo Lopez? I think he's doing what he needs to do. Like, I th- I don't think he can reinvent himself. I don't think he can become, like, some kind of slider monster to where he throws, like, 40% of the time and gets, like, whiffs 35% of the time. I think well, he's going to— not gonna... with that attitude, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he's always going to be fastball-oriented. And it's just, you know, either it's incumbent on him to— maintain his best velocity or improve his command and you know improving command is always easier said than done but he did try to you know follow you know, take a page from the Lucas Giolito playbook by shortening his arm swing and uh it makes sense like when you, when you watch like Carlos Rodon get a huge like a scroll of a to-do list from Ethan Katz and somehow get it all right on the first try by the first week of the season and to turn into a Cy Young candidate or you see like Lucas Giolito have like the off-season transformation he had you know I think it can maybe warp expectations for somebody who's doing the same or just think oh they were blowing smoke by by saying that you know he was working on something he's clearly the same guy it's another Carson Fulmer you know just it's it's never going to go right but for Lopez, you know, to need a spring, then he had the eye surgery uh, in uh, May, so he wasn't really back in action by until like early June. So you figure like it took him two months to get up to speed, get his mechanics in line, get some confidence in what he's doing. And then like by the time the White Sox called him up, two out of his last three appearances with Charlotte were his best appearances of the year. So it doesn't make it doesn't feel like a total fluke. I think he's somebody who's going to look great sometimes and then probably just get beat sometimes because he only has like one way to really attack guys. You know, maybe he can like sneak past one turn through the lineup, mixing in some sliders and they're not expecting it, but I think if they realize like, "Oh, uh, we're eliminating his fastball or he's trying to get me over sliders, he can get crushed." So, I think as long as you allow him to have a rough game and then give him the ball back and you know, maybe even have two rough games and give him the ball back just to see what's real. Uh, I think there's something to learn. And I think his 2018 season uh, where he was maybe a little bit of an over, over performer when it came to his ERA, like the advanced um, you know run estimators didn't really buy into what he was doing as a sub four guy, but as like a mid four guy, maybe like, you know, just, he does, he can bully hitters with fastballs, especially lineups that, you know, maybe aren't suited for uh, turning around inside heat. So, yeah, I think there's a guy there. I think it's more a matter of can he stay healthy? Is the shoulder thing they had last year behind him? And can he keep throwing like 96 instead of 94? So my follow-up question to you, Jim, is the philosophy less is more with Lopez. In the past when he's been in the White Sox, they've given him the ball And I'm thinking that the mental aspect of the job is I have to try to go as deep as possible on 100 pitches. 
would Lopez be better served moving forward, especially in his major league career, if he's just a 65 pitch per outing guy? Maybe like he, he might be somebody who's better suited for like a more advanced or more like progressive form of starting pitcher management. Like, you know, where you don't expect five innings every time, or you have like somebody who can piggyback with them. Like we briefly saw last year when, uh, you know, with, or, uh, you know, with Gio Gonzalez, like when you're hoping for like the tandem arrangement, like don't ask for five innings when you can get a really good three. And they, they just couldn't quite commit to that. Like Rick Renteria just did not have it in him like he just did not think that was the way games should be started uh so it's possible but i wouldn't mind pushing them to 100 like you know, warm them up like don't uh you know run them through walls to try to get there but like if he's doing okay like you know it, it like the dallas keiko start where he throws five decent innings and hits a wall in the sixth i would allow him to hit a wall in the sixth like you know and i wouldn't uh because i think there are sometimes you can learn from that the way you can uh, occasionally like learn from Dylan Cease, you know, going six when maybe he should have gone five because you kind of got to build up the muscle memory and build the, the stamina and the ability to bounce back and, and, and hang in there later in starts if you feel like they have the capability of doing that. So I wouldn't rule out that he has the capability of returning to the guy he was taking on 180 inning workload. Um, I think if the White Sox are in an ideal spot, he would just be like the sixth starter who can, you know, do what he's doing in the bullpen, but then stretch out, you know, uh, you know, over the course of a few turns, if he's needed to plug that hole. So Bennett naturally with the way that Lopez has been throwing since rejoining the white Sox, you'll have white Sox fans really buy into the hype, buy as much sock as they possibly can and start penciling Ronaldo Lopez into the 2022 starting rotation. Are you buying what you are seeing from Ronaldo Lopez not just for the present and maybe Lopez helps out the White Sox come the postseason, but are you back on the Lopez bandwagon thinking he could still be useful for this contention window the White Sox have? As a starter, as soon as next year, probably not. Um, And that's just the way I'm penciling my rotation in right now with based on who's going to be back. He's probably right there with Crochet as the guy who will step in as the long relief, the the multi-inning guy who can stretch out to start as need be. But for me, I I need to see a few. I mean, listen, White Sox fans buying fully in after two or three weeks is about right for White Sox fans. (laughs) But I I need to see a little bit more before I can commit to him long term uh, at all, much less in the rotation. So I think for this for this year, his role where he's kind of uh, I'll almost say Michael Kopech's understudy, where he's doing kind of a, a similar but not the same role for Michael Kopech, uh, is perfect for him. I think he can keep doing that and and really show that that's his thing. And and next year, he can you know you can kind of have an open competition for that spot. And if he doesn't win it, he's still gonna you know he's gonna have a shot on the major league roster as long as he plays well. So for this year, no. For the future, we'll see. I, I, I find this his next start is going to be on Sunday, which we're going to preview this upcoming series again in Tampa Bay uh, in a moment here. I find this upcoming start intriguing, Jim, for the future because I could totally see a team like Tampa Bay calling Rick Hahn after the season and asking about Ronaldo Lopez's availability. If he truly is best served throwing 65 to 75 pitches, because if he is... That really fits with the Rays pitching mentality, especially when it comes to starting pitching and using openers. 
Yeah, they did. Yeah, I'm thinking like he doesn't really have a great breaking ball the way that like, you know, sometimes I think when I think of like Ray's reclamation projects, they tend to like just either flip a pitch um, usage uh, pattern or they, you know, maybe work on pitch design and uh, you know get something more out of him. I don't know if they would be so enamored with like a Lopez who's so fastball oriented to trade for him unless they think like they can. Well, I mean, they did claim Dylan Covey or they did have him briefly. So I think like sometimes I think they do or they don't mind looking at a power arm and seeing, you know, if they can maybe get more out of that power. But yeah, I think, you know, he's the kind of guy to where if the White Sox say non-tendered him last year, when you're talking about non-tendering him and they thought like, well, that was a weird season. Uh, You know, perhaps, you know, we saw something in his first, you know, 60 pitches or whatever, and, and saw something in, in the way fatigue affected him. If we can remove that from the equation, we might have something there. Like, I think they would take him for free or signing him for the league minimum or whatever like that. But I don't know if trading for it, like, I still think he needs probably, you know, finish the season strong to have trade value because if he has another rough start, um, you know, or he has like the shoulder thing flare up again, what have you, like he'll be a guy whose uh, arbitration trajectory might price him out of a tendering conversation the way it did with uh, Yolmer Sanchez. So he's in a kind of a weird kind of limbo state right now when it comes to both his value and salary to where he kind of has to prove it a little bit to maintain his value for other teams versus other teams just kind of waiting him out and saying like, oh, we'll claim him when he's available, but right now we're not going to go out of our way to get him. Sure, but if he duplicates his performance that he had against Oakland on Sunday against Tampa Bay... I'm just saying it may plant a seed within the Rays organization of we should maybe talk to Rick Hahn after the season about what they're going to do with Ronaldo Lopez because he kind of fits with what we like to do, especially in the starting pitching front. And hopefully Lopez does have a good start against Tampa Bay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And let's go ahead and preview this mega matchup between two of the American League's best. The Tampa Bay Rays are 75 and 47 on the season. That is the best record in the American League. So the season were to end today, the American League pennant runs through St. Petersburg, Florida, of all places. Uh, The Rays have a five and a half game lead over the New York Yankees, who are red hot uh, since July 1st. The Yankees are now back into the postseason picture uh, as they have one of the wild card spots as the Yankees are 69-52. and 52. Uh, So the Rays really could use a series win here uh, instead of sweating and hoping that the Yankees slow down. Uh, for those that are wondering who the Yankees are playing this weekend, they are playing the Minnesota Twins. And we know how those games usually go for Minnesota. Uh, so I'm expecting the, uh, the train to keep rolling for the Yankees this weekend uh, while the White Sox are 71 and 51 uh, and still maintain a very healthy 11 and a half game lead as we are streaming this on youtube.com slash machine over Cleveland. Uh, your pitching problems for this series starting on Friday. Again, these are all East Coast games, so it's going to be a 6:10 p.m. Central time start. It's Lucas Giolito on the mound against Michael Waka. Uh, on Saturday, it is a 12:10 Central Time start, so quick turnaround. It's Dallas Keuchel against Luis Patino, and then on Sunday, as we mentioned, Ronaldo Lopez will be making the start, and it's to be determined uh, for Tampa Bay. For those that don't live in Chicago, this game will also be broadcasted on TBS, as it'll be one of the national broadcasts. Uh, through the country on Sunday. So you'll get an opportunity to watch them. Uh, And the White Sox and Rays will also be on MLB Network Friday night. So if you don't live in Chicago, you got a couple opportunities to watch the White Sox on a national uh, broadcast, either MLB Network on Friday or TBS on Saturday. All right, Jim, the White Sox already won one series uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays earlier this year in Chicago. Now they head to Tampa for three games against the Rays. What are you expecting to see in this in the in this last series against the Rays until at least the postseason? Well, it feels like there's the opportunity for, you know, the, the guys we talked about, Roberts, uh, Jimenez, Abreu, Yvonne, to continue their hot stretches like we've I'm, I'm looking at like the race schedule because i know they've had a good month but they face the orioles the red sox and the red sox are struggling but i mean the rays are kind of respons- partially responsible for their struggling so uh that's a direct head-to-head matchup but then the twins then the orioles they <laughs> played the orioles uh seven times the orioles like in the yeah they won the three teams to lose 14 games twice in a season since 1901 so it's just Is that uh, bad yeah uh, but I'm, I'm looking at like some of the the runs allowed in like the uh, the Orioles put a couple six spots on them. The Twins scored 12 runs on them. The Red Sox scored 20 runs on them in the game. So they can occasionally be beat. They have some starters there. They have some like pitching days where they expect probably to lose or maybe have to eat it. So when you see Waka starting, when you see Patino, who hasn't, 
you know, he's got good stuff. I think, I think he was hurt a little bit, so I'm not sure exactly what the state of his stuff is now, but, uh, you know, he could, you know, being a Tampa Bay rookie, he could have the potential for domination early, but they have some weak spots in rotation. The White Sox are seeing one of them right now to where like, uh, they should be able to at least uh, get some licks in and, uh, you know, the, the Rays are, equally capable of dishing it out with their, you know, modular lineups that they can kind of shape to fit whoever's pitching. But uh, I would hope to at least, you know, should it be a series loss? And I think they could take two out of three, but should it be like, should they end up on the wrong side of a three game series? I hope at least like they, you know, they get some, uh, some haymakers in and just kind of, uh, uh, yeah, a couple slobber knockers. So Jim points out that the Rays aren't exactly pitching all that great, especially this month. But the Rays have been hitting Bennett. And for Lucas Giolito, he had a tough time against the Yankees lineup that was continuing to foul off pitches, really made Giolito work kind of similar type of start that Lance Lynn just had against the Oakland Athletics. And again, we're in this two-week stretch of the White Sox facing teams that are really good and aiming to make the postseason this year. What are you hoping to see from Lucas Giolito Friday night against Tampa? Um, Ease. It feels like a lot of Lucas Giolito's best starts this year have been not tightrope walks, but a lot finer of a line that he's walked than I feel like in, in the last couple of years where he's pitched well, where he's he's just needed to be a little bit more perfect and make a little bit less of a mistake. So, so seeing a start where that's not the case, where he can just, you know, we'll say whether or not he was doing anything before return to kind of that older, just blow by people rather than having to, to nail everything perfectly to really uh, beat a team up uh, would be my preference. If, if he can just, just find that ease, find that center and, and, and dominate. And Jim, if the white Sox, let's say they do win this series, can White Sox fans say, hey, the White Sox are the team to beat in the American League? Will it give them more credence as far as with that statement after winning both seas- uh, both series against Tampa Bay this season? Uh, I, I would say, like, you know, that they'd be a team to beat. Um, you know, I don't think one series says a whole lot, especially if the Rays still have the better record and playing in the better division. Like, they've, they've been uh, stress-tested when you have, like, not only uh, Red Sox and Yankees, but Toronto, too, just being formidable. And to hold three teams off rather than zero teams off in the Central, uh, I, I think the Rays have that going for them. But, I mean, like, if the White Sox win the series, like, yeah, I mean, feel confident, like, you know, kind of puff up your chest a little bit. <laughs> like, what's the, uh, uh, you shouldn't feel bad about it. Or, you know, there, there's no reward for, uh, you know, uh, I guess pride isn't a sin here. It's it's baseball. Uh, enjoy good performances. So, yeah, it uh, should be a confidence booster. It's funny. funny thing is, though, like, when, you, when you're looking at the records for, um, record uh guess records against teams that are 500 or better like it's funny how much that fluctuates because Oakland entered the series uh with the White Sox as having a worse record with that than the White Sox against winning teams but then uh the Angels won three in a row tipped over 500 and <laughs> Oakland's better than the White Sox so All those yeah so just it, it, you know that's why that stat is kind of misleading especially like when you to see a few teams that just hover on the brink a few games over under that just kind of uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's uh it's more of a hammer than a chisel when it comes to precision of a measurement uh, tool. So that's uh that's why I think I, I don't pay too much attention to that, but you know, having 
good performances against good teams, uh, that's really the only thing the White Sox are missing on a regular basis. Well, so far during this stretch, they are four and three after taking three out of four against Oakland and, of course, going one and two against Yankees with the one win being the Field of Dreams game and Tim Anderson's dramatic walk-off home run. Uh, so, so far, so good for the White Sox during this really tough stretch. Again, it's three games in Tampa and after the series in St. Petersburg, the Chicago White Sox traveled to Toronto, Canada for the first time since 2019 where they have a four-game series against the Blue Jays. And there's going to be lots of offense in those four games. That's going to be a good test for the White Sox starting pitching because the Blue Jays, man, they can hit. They can hit. And hopefully the White Sox get some good news that Carlos Rodon and maybe even Yasmani Grandal rejoin the team as the White Sox continue to get stronger as we progress further. And then, of course, after this stretch, the White Sox come home and they get to face the Chicago Cubs for a weekend series get a day off, and get two games at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So it gets a little easier uh, after this uh, seven-game road trip for the White Sox heading to Tampa and Toronto. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Thank you to everyone that watched the live stream on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Machine. And if you just discovered, as far as the Sox Machine Live aspect you please subscribe to our youtube page uh, that would greatly help us i think we're inching closer to 500 subscribers uh, and we just kind of restarted this youtube page so if you have the moment uh, if you can go ahead and smash the subscribe button as the cool kids say uh, that will help us greatly and uh, we also have a patreon page which you can help support us at patreon.com slash socks machine where our patreon supporters uh, get exclusive content they get ad free versions of both the podcast podcast and website and they get the first opportunity as well to purchase any new socks machine swag that we have and jim i think you have an update here that the socks machine ball caps which are awesome uh that you have just uh recently shipped out some yeah the first batch that i received the the shipment came in two pieces so the first shipment i received is already in the mail uh, I'll be getting the second shipment in. I was supposed to get it today, but then they uh, decided that my house was a business and saw that they, I had no open hours and realized like, I didn't know I needed to say my house is open at 3.48 in the morning. So it's uh, I straightened out with UPS. I'll be getting them tomorrow and then they'll be going in the mail on Saturday, the rest of them. I didn't even know that was a thing. Today I learned something. Uh, so I didn't know that either. Uh, so the follow-up question would be, hey, Jim, will there be another order of Sox Machine ball caps? I will have extras in the, uh, once I get through, make sure that all the pre-orders are accounted for. I'll be taking a tally of the inventory and then putting them in the Sox Machine store. So keep a uh, lookout for probably, I would say next week at some point to uh, check in case you missed the pre-order window. All right, so there you go, folks. And again, we have month monthly plans at $2, $3, $5, and $10 a month. So if you enjoy your work and want more, go to patreon.com slash machine to sign up. And we are close to 550 Patreon supporters, which, guys, it greatly helps us. And we are looking to expand our coverage when the postseason comes. Uh, so the more Patreon supporters that we get, the more that we can do. Uh, so again, if you really want us to amp up as far as the content machine, go to patreon.com slash machine and sign up today. 
If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast or you just discovered us on Twitter or the website, you could follow us on Twitter. We are at Sox Machine. You could follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sox Machine underscore Josh. And if you need a personal hype man to get you more Twitter followers, follow Bennett at the Bennett K as he is excellent at that. And you can subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, just in case if you ever miss a live stream of Sox Machine Live. And Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Bennett Carroll and Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Say big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save